Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Prophets in the scriptures. We use the scriptures 1998 translation. We ask the Father for the wisdom, the knowledge, and understanding in the name of Yahusha, his Son, our Savior. We're in Ezekiel chapter 6. Let's read chapter 6. And the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them, and you shall say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Master, Yahweh. Thus said the Master, Yahweh, to the mountains, to the hills, to the ravines, and to the valleys. Look, I myself am bringing a sword against you, and I shall destroy your high places. And your altars shall be ruined, your sun pillars shall be broken in pieces, and I shall make your slain fall in front of your idols, and lay the corpses of the children of Israel in front of their idols, and scatter your bones all around your altars. In all your dwelling places the city shall be destroyed, and the high places deserted, so that your altars are broken and bear their punishment. And your idols shall be smashed and made to cease, and your sun pillars cut down, and your works blotted out. And the slain shall fall in your midst, and you shall know that I am Yahweh. But I shall leave a remnant in that some of you shall escape the sword among the Gentiles when you are scattered throughout the lands. And those of you who escape shall remember me among the Gentiles where they have been taken captive because I have been broken by their adulterous heart which has turned away from me and by their eyes which hoard after their idols, and they shall loathe themselves for the evils which they have done in all their abominations. And they shall know that I am Yahweh, and not for not have I spoken to do this evil to them. Thus said the master Yahweh, strike with your hand and stamp your feet and say, Alas, because of all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, you shall fall by sword, by scarcity of food, and by pestilence. He who is far off shall die by pestilence. He who is near shall fall by sword. And he who is left over and is besieged die by scarcity of food. And I shall complete my wrath upon them. And you shall know that I am Yahweh when their slain are among their idols all around their altars, on every high hill, on all the mountain tops, under every green tree, and under every thick oak, wherever they offered sweet incense to all their idols. And I shall stretch out my hand 
against them and make the land a wasting land, even more waste than the wilderness toward Dibla, to all their dwelling places, and they shall know that I am Yahweh. It is interesting, and remember what we're doing here in Ezekiel. We're learning about the stubbornness, even the stubbornness of the servants of Yahweh. Sometimes they don't um, do what they're supposed to do. And Ezekiel's um, example to us is that during the end times, during the process of the Babylonian captivity, because all of uh, Judah had not been taken captive by this time, only Ezekiel and his group and other groups, but while the process is going on, while Babylon is taking control, and that's what has to happen, they have to take control. While that's happening, there's going to be work to be done before the supernatural show up. There's going to be work to be done, like today. To warn the brethren, to tell them the error of their way. And you see, as we see here in our example of Ezekiel, uh, he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't very interested in doing the works of Yahweh. It doesn't tell us why. At this point, maybe at some point in the book of Ezekiel, we will find out why he is being so stubborn and not doing anything for Yahweh. And Yahweh has given him many different ways to do his work, you see. And this is just another way. So, in chapter 6, the next thing Yahweh tries is to get Ezekiel to prophesy not directly to people, but into the air, directed towards where the people of Israel are, you see. So, you see, that's the way the Father is with us. We have to help the brethren. That's why we're here. We're not here for our benefit. <laughs> we're here for the brethren. That's our job. And every single one of us have jobs to do for the brethren. This world is not our world. We're just passing through. Kepha tells us that. And you've got to keep your mind on that and transform your thinking into the way the Messiah thought. Scripture tells us that. Stop thinking like the world and start thinking like the Messiah. And what did he do? He did the works of the Father. That's all he did, the works of the Father. But here, Ezekiel, um, you know, so the other stuff didn't work. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to. Uh, and... In this time, we have a question. Is he going to do as Yahweh asked him to do? All he has to do is go to the mountains <laughs> that direct towards Israel and tell him the stuff that Yahweh wants to tell him. So he doesn't even have to talk to people. And, of course, Yahweh gave him the words to say, so he didn't have to come up with his own words. And the reason why Yahweh gave them these words is so that they, because they need to know that when Yahweh is against you, 
there is no place you can defend yourself or hide. And then, of course, it shows us here the reason that Yahweh is against Israel and is going to bring them to total destruction as a nation is because of your idolatry. You see, Israel was connected to many idols and many deities and all the deities of the people around them. And we're going to take a look at that in a minute. And you see, the father doesn't like to see his people connected to deities. And just look at believers today. They're definitely connected to deities. Now, as far as the satanic translation of the name of the Savior, his name is, of course, Yahusha. But, of course, he has corrupted Satan, has corrupted the English so that the brethren, most of them, use this term Jesus. That is not the name of the Savior. But that being said, you know, as the Father has shown us in our other studies, that the way the Father looks at it is that as far as the Savior's name goes and the power behind the Savior, because what we do supernaturally on earth as servants has to do with our faith. So our faith in who the Savior is, not faith in a name. If you have faith in, in a name, and the only name that you can have faith in is Jesus, and there's no other name but the name Jesus, and that's where your faith lies in the name Jesus, then I'm sorry, you're in trouble, supernaturally and otherwise, as far as the Father's concerned. But for those that just use that name because that's the only name that they know to use. That's how corrupt Satan has caused the English. That, guess what? They don't, it isn't the name they're dwelling on when they ask for miracles and things to be done. It's because of who the Savior is, the Son, the Lamb the Messiah, you see. They know he was born on earth. They know that he was killed. And they know that he overcame death so we can also. So he was the Messiah sent by Elohim to the earth. And so, yes, they believe in that. That is their faith. They may use the name Jesus because that's all they know. But the name Jesus is not where they get their power from in their minds, which is different from the others. So the Father does answer for that, you see, for people who believe in who the Son is and what he did. On the other hand, that being said, the idolatry that goes on in and among the brethren, the assemblies of brethren today, has to do with the Savior himself. And they have corrupted and made the Savior an idol and replaced the Father with the Son. And when you replace the Father with the Son and you speak to the Son 
and only talk to the son and you don't talk to the father like the son taught us to do. He was on earth and his father was in heaven. They are two separate individuals. They are not the same individual. So when you make an idol out of the son and replace the father with the son, which many assemblies have done today, you are involved in idolatry. And what does it say here in verse 9 in um, Ezekiel here? What does it say? What does it say? Do you see it in the middle there? Because, and this is the Father, this is Yahweh speaking to Israel. Because I, Yahweh, have been broken. You have, you know, meaning hurt me. Hurt me. Hurt Yahweh. Yes, Yahweh can be hurt, can be broken by the actions of those that he loves and takes care of. Broken by their adulterous heart, which has turned away from me. You see, idolatry is the reason that Israel, and this is what Ezekiel is supposed to be telling them, that's the reason why they're going to be destroyed as a nation. And Yahweh is going to be doing the destroying. It's the same thing to you, brethren. Brethren out there that are believers, if you're connected to idolatry and you have replaced the father with the son, then you are a part of idolatry also. And you will be destroyed. When the Savior arrives on earth, you will be put on the side with the goats. And it won't have anything to do with a name, but it will have to do with your actions and your thoughts. So, let's look at these high places. Let's look a, at, a little bit at what Israel had been doing all of these years. And, you know, where did it start? Did King David ever do any, because of course he was the first real king, that the father that Yahweh chose, uh, Saul was the was a king given to the people by, because the people wanted the king. That's what they chose, not what the father chose. So David was the first real king of Israel. No, David never had anything to do with idolatry in any way, shape, or form. Let's go to 2 Kings and find out, find out about, you know, let's see, I believe it's called um, in the um, Hebrew, and hold, hold your place there in um, Ezekiel. Uh, Melikim, which of course is Kings. So go to Second Melikim or Second Kings. It doesn't matter. They're both the same. Uh, Twenty-three, and I want you to read something with me in verse thirteen. And what does it say? Twenty-three. Yeah. See the land of the Chaldeans, this people did not exist. I think I got the wrong one. No, it, it should be first. Yeah, because that's not right. 
Oh no, I'm in. <laughs> I'm not in. I went to uh, Isaiah. All right, Second Kings twenty-three. There you go. Okay. Thirteen says, and the sovereign king, in other words, defiled the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of the mountain of destruction, which Solomon, that's right, or Shemo, or uh, is it Shelomo, Shelomo, sovereign of Israel, built for Ashtaroth, the abominations of the Zidonians, and for Chemosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Malcolm, the abomination of the children of Ammon. So who built these high places that Israel? And when did it start? With King Solomon. So King Solomon bought, uh, built high places for worship. They worshiped, he worshiped Ashtaroth, Chemosh, and Malcolm. Yes, King Solomon. It started back then. Now, let's go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, which of course is before Ezekiel. I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 7. And of course we know his real name is Yermeyahu. Yermeyahu. Go to Yermeyahu chapter 7. And we're going to read verse 31. Just letting you know there's there's other deities. <laughs> that that Israel had connection to. So verse 31 tells us of another deity. And they have built the high places of Topheth, which is of the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come in my heart. So <laughs> at this high place, this was Topheth, and guess what they did at this high place? They burned their children as sacrifices to this deity. Let's go to Second Chronicles, which is after. And if you've got the scriptures, it's after. It's in the back uh, before the New Testament. And it's... Um, Second, and it's 33, I believe. I think it's in the back here. I'm getting used to this myself. Yeah, and it's called the Berem Ha Yamim. 33. And it's just before the New Testament. Now let's read verse 3. For again he built the high places which... Hezekiah, his father, had broken down and raised up altars for Balaam and made Ashram and bowed himself to all the host of heaven and served them. So, guess what? Another king here. And he was, you know, had a high place for the deity known as Balaam and for the host of heaven. So we see that Israel had many deities they worshiped from the time of King Solomon. Which brings us to Christianity. You see, uh, that's a made up pagan word also. Followers of the Messiah. 
That's the way I like to call it. followers of the Messiah, followers of the shepherd. Um, that's what I like to use. Believers, brethren, saints. So there's problem with you. So you see in Israel here, Israel had a lot of problems with a lot of deities in high places. And we saw there back in Ezekiel, you can go back to Ezekiel, we'll be there in a minute or two. And the thing is that they had a lot of problems and Yahweh wanted Ezekiel to go and prophesy to the mountains of Israel, not directly to people. See, the father has things for us to do. And he knows sometimes that we can be a little bit stubborn. Well, Ezekiel is tremendously stubborn. But he's supposed to prophesy against the people, telling them what they're doing. And one of the things they're doing is that they had all these deities. And guess what? Yahweh is going to destroy all these deities that you have been worshiping instead of me. And you broke me. I was broken, it said. We read it because of all the deities. Well, believers, brethren, followers of the Messiah, you also have deities. One of them we already discussed, you know, the deity connected to you've replaced the father with the son, which is the, the, the most tremendous abomination that you can do. But there's other idols in idolatry and things that that we see in the assemblies of the brethren there's many more things you know so what is idolatry does idolatry have to be a particular statue does it have to be that you you know bow down to a statue no Idolatry means that you have put something before the Father, whatever that something may be. So instead of worshiping the Father, you worship something else. For the brethren, that something else could be, what have they come up with nowadays? You know, little things that don't seem to be a big deal. If you read the preface of the book, Come Out of Her, My People, in one of the paragraphs on um, chapter, I mean on the fifth page, it says this. It is well known well known that the church from the 4th century onward, 4th century, that means the 300s, Constantine, get it, had accepted many pagan festivals, images, idols, names, etc. into the church with the apology that these things of idolatry have been sanctified. Therefore, much of the frank idolatrous origins of these things became suppressed, ignored, or explained away. You see, that was in 300, but even before that, you know, but that was big time, you know, when the Romans and uh, Constantine and all that stuff started to take over. But it was even before that, um, and if you read uh, part of um, the introduction here also, on uh, page five, not the preface, 
but oh the beginning of chapter one I should say chapter one let's see what Clement of Alexandria did and he lived he was um, second or third generation so what that means is you had the, the apostles the witnesses they told people um, about the Messiah that's the second generation first-hand knowledge they had spoken to and those people the second generation went of course and continued to tell about the Messiah and the third they told people that were connected here to um, which is the Clement group Clement of Alexandria which I believe was Bishop so what were they doing in 150 AD so remember John lived to to almost a hundred AD 90 something or whatever and so you're talking a hundred so this is 50 years later And what were they doing? Let's read. This praying towards the sun in the east is recorded in the writings of Clement of Alexandria, as well as in the writings of his scholar Origen, which is where he was the one that was connected to the originals. They were both guilty of trying to justify this practice which Yahweh labeled wicked abomination and guess what in the chapter we're in right now I mean the the book we're reading right now Ezekiel chapter 8 verse 9 which we're going to get to when Ezekiel is going to be dealt with by the father which we've already seen but in that chapter Let's just go there. I want us to go there. Let's go. We're there anyway. Let's just go over two, two chapters. Is it an abomination to the Father? What they were doing in 150 in the name of the Messiah? That's right. The brethren. I want us to read verse 9. And it said... And he said to me, go in and see the evil abominations which they are doing there. And I went in and looked and saw all kinds of creeping creatures, abominable beasts, and all idols of the house of Israel carved all around on the walls. And facing them stood 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel. And in their midst stood Yazayan, Yahu, son of Saphon. Each one had a censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up, and he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dock, each one in the room of his idol? For they say, Yahweh does not see this. Yahweh has forsaken the land. And he said to me, You see, you are to see even greater abominations which they are doing and he brought me to the door of the north gate of the house of Yahweh and saw women sitting there weeping for Tammuz that's where we get the word cross and crucify from then he said to me have you seen this O son of man you see you are to see still greater abominations and he brought me into the inner court of the house of Yahweh and there at the door of Hakel of Yahweh between the porch and the altar were about 25 men with their backs toward the Hakel of Yahweh and their faces towards the east and they were bowing themselves eastward to the sun abomination to the father worshiping 
towards the sun, having anything to do with sun worship. You see, so now, this, read it, I'm going to read that paragraph again now that you see it's an abomination. This praying towards the sun in the east is recorded in the writings of Clement of Alexandria, about 150 A.D., as well as in the writings of his scholar Origen. They were both guilty of trying to justify this practice, which Yahweh labeled wicked abominations in Ezekiel chapter uh, 8, verse 9, we just read. The bishop of Cothelage, Cyprian, in the year 258, also exhorted Christians to pray to the east at sunrise. So it was the next generation, second generation, second or third generation. On the other hand, in the year 197, a person called Tertullian, writing in his Adnations 113, accused fellow Christians of sun worship because of their praying to the east and because of making Sunday a day of festivities. So, and it goes on and explains about that. So the idolatry that we are filled with in our Christian world, brethren, you see, how much idolatry do we have? I've come out of it because I now know the truth. But how much idolatry is in with the brethren? How much of it? Do they know the idolatry that they're connected to? The things that they do, the words that they use. The cross is an idol. Yes, it's not in the scriptures. It's always in the English, <laughs> but it doesn't exist in the scriptures and it's funny isn't it that the uh jehovah witnesses they know that they know that there's no such word as cross so they use the proper word which is stake or tree or pole you see it wasn't a t the t came from the deity tamus which you just heard of back in ezekiel time okay that's where the cross came from and guess what? The word church, it's connected to um, a Latin word having connected to um, some deity, uh, some deity called Circe. Yeah, that's where that word church comes from. So it's a sun deity called Circe. And um, the word amen uh, is an Egyptian uh, deity. And the Egyptian deity is called um, Amen-Ra. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever you say amen, it should be amen, by the way. A-M-E-I-N is the real word you should be saying. Holy, <laughs> there's another one. <laughs> That's connected to, um, let's see, if I'm not mistaken, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a deity, um, Hallo or something like that, that they found out. Holly, it's a Greek Hindu, uh, Greek Hindu uh, spring festival thing. Holy, but it's spelled H-O-L-I. Anyway, the list goes on. I could go on. I'm not doing the book right now. But the point is, you see, brethren? Do you see, brethren? How much, how much idolatry is amongst the assemblies 
of the brethren. And so, as we saw there in Ezekiel, going back there to Ezekiel chapter 6, as we see, Yahweh is going to destroy these high places. Let's read verses 4 and 5 of Ezekiel chapter 6. And your altars shall be ruined, your sun pillars shall be broken in pieces, and I shall make your slain fall in front of your idols, and lay the corpses of the children of Israel in front of their idols, and scatter your bones all around your idols. So, you see, for Israel it was flesh trouble. Yes, yes, they were going to physically die. Um, and Yahweh was going to make sure that they would know that all these idols and all this idolatry they had, it did nothing for them because they were nothing. Interestingly enough, that of course is the flesh. Now that we, brethren, are connected spiritually to the Father, it has to do with spiritual stuff. And for us, what's going to happen, brethren, is when Satan arrives on earth, or his system, I should say, arrives on earth, guess what he's going to do with all of the garbage that you have been worshiping and and doing and using in the name of God, of course, as Christians, because your Savior was crucified on a cross, all pagan words coming from pagan deities. Get the picture? So when Satan arrives on earth, his system will have taken out all of this stuff. All the idolatry that's going on on earth. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> He's going to take it all out. He's going to have them make sure it's all gone. And it's not just connected to believers. It's all idolatry, witchcraft, uh, Satan, um, Satan worship, uh, any, you know, over in Africa, the witch doctors or any kind of um, black magic, any kind of worship to Hindu and Buddha and all that stuff. Yes, Muslims or Muhammad or any of that stuff that they do. Satan will do this also when he takes con total control of the earth. You don't believe me? <laughs> you see, Yahweh was going to have his uh, Babylonians take care of this stuff that was going on with Israel. But who's the king of Babylon? The king, of course, is connected to Satan. And so, let's go to 2 Thessalonians. So, you've got to understand there's a difference between the Antichrist and the um, and the Father and Elohim and God. We'll use that term since you like to use it. It's also a pagan word. But there's a difference between the Antichrist and God. Satan's going to play the role of God, you know, because you're going to accept him because you believe that the name of the Father or his title is God, except the word God is a pagan deity. So hold your place there in Ezekiel and go to Thessalonians, those of you that have studied probably knew where we were going, but is the God Satan going to take out the 
religions, idolatries, and everything connected to this world when he arrives and his system comes on this earth. Let's see. What does the scripture say? It's here for a reason. There's nothing new under the sun. In Israel's time, this was physical death that was going to go on. In the time of the tribulation, the time of the testing, that's what tribulation means. It means to test. Are you on the side of the Father, really? Or are you not? It's that simple. The time of the testing, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. And I'm just going to start with um, verse 3, I should say. Let no one deceive you in any way, because the falling away is come first. No. And the man of lawlessness is to be revealed, the son of destruction. So, what is Paul Shaw saying? He's saying that the return of the Messiah will not happen until these things have happened. People had the idea that the Messiah was going to happen and then these things would happen. Oh, no. So, no, no, the falling away happens first. And what is the word falling away? In the Greek, it means to turn from the truth. Who's the truth? The Messiah. So, you're turned away. There's going to be a great apostasy, a great turning away from the Messiah. That's going to happen first. And the man of lawlessness is to be revealed, the son of destruction. And what is this man of destruction? It's not a man. It's a supernatural deity, archangel, we know as Satan. What is he going to be doing? Who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called Elohim, or God, or that is worshipped, anything that's worshipped, doesn't have to be God that's worshipped, or Elohim that's worshipped, or Yahweh that's worshipped, it could be some other things worshipped, like I said. So that he sits as Elohim. He's not going to sit as the Messiah. He's not going to sit as the Savior. He's going to sit as Elohim. And the Savior is never, ever going to sit as Elohim because he sits to the right side of Elohim. He knows his place. And But this deity, which is Satan himself, he's going to sit as Elohim in the dwelling place of Elohim showing himself that he is Elohim. So, yes, Satan is going to be playing the role of God, as you call him. Not as the Antichrist, as you call him. Or as he should be called, not as the against, the one that is against Messiah, or instead of Messiah. So, see, Satan isn't coming as the Messiah. Satan's coming as a even higher, oh no, Satan wants to be God. He wants to be the high one. You know, you all think God is the name of the high one, but it's actually Elohim and Yahweh Elohim. You understand? So, Satan wants his place, you see, even though you don't know his place. So, yes, brethren, you are involved in idolatry, big time. We see, when did it begin? Way back when, in the beginning of the brethren. So, we see here in um, 
verses 6 and 7, it says, In all your dwelling places, the cities, back in Ezekiel, shall be destroyed and the high places deserted so that your altars are broken and bear their punishment. And your idols shall be smashed and made to cease. And your sun pillars cut down and your works blotted out. And the slain shall fall in your midst. And you shall know that I am Yahweh. So all things will be destroyed in Israel. The stuff that they were doing. And many people will be killed. You shall know that I am Yahweh. And when the Messiah, the true Messiah, arrives on earth, brethren, and you have been partaking in the idolatry as a believer, you will be put on the side with the goats. Verse 8. But I shall leave a remnant in that some of you shall escape the sword among the Gentiles when you are scattered throughout the land. There will be some of Israel that will escape to live in the lands of the Gentiles. You will all be in different places that you have been scattered to. Yes, that was it. They, the nation known as Israel would cease to exist. Oh, people could live in Israel, in those lands, but it was not a nation. There was not a king. There was not a ruler. It was nothing. And interestingly enough, that scattering, we can see this on Pentecost Day. People of the tribes of Judah came from countries all around Jerusalem. And I posted a map on my Facebook wall, which when I post this study Ezekiel, um, the prophets found in scriptures, I will again post that map so you can see. You know, but on the map it shows you they came from all around to Jerusalem. Just reverse it. <laughs> where they came from is where they came from. So start at Jerusalem and see where they were scattered. Pretty interesting when you see it from the other perspective. Verse 9. And those of you who shall escape, remember me among the Gentiles where they have been taken captive because I have been broken by their adulterous heart which has turned away from me and their eyes which hoard after their idols and they shall loathe themselves for the evils which they have done in all their abominations. So, those that do escape to live with the Gentiles will know they are being punished by Yahweh because they turned against him. They will remember he warned them to stay on the right path, but they chose not to. Interestingly, does it say they admit the error of their way and turn back to Yahweh? No. <laughs> that's amazing to me it's kind of like Ezekiel right Ezekiel's being shown all the error of their ways including his and he's being pretty stubborn verse 11 thus said the master Yahweh strike with your hand and stamp your feet and say Alas, because of all the evil abominations of the house of Israel who shall fall by the sword, by scarcity of food, by pestilence. He who is far off shall die by pestilence. He who is near fall by the sword. And he who is left over is besieged, die by scarcity of food. And I shall complete my wrath upon them. And you shall know that I am Yahweh when their slain are among their idols all around their altars on every high hill, on all the mountain tops, under every green tree, and under every thick oak wherever they offered sweet incense to all their idols. And I shall stretch out my hand against them and make the land a wasteland, even more waste than the wilderness toward Dibla. 
in all their dwelling places, and they shall know that I am Yahweh. That's also going to be what happens when the brethren, yes, believers, brethren, get rejected by the Messiah. These few last verses uh, tells us what Ezekiel is to tell the mountains. That's right. This is and what the people of Israel that escaped are to do. So, you know, this is what is going to happen. Hit your hand, stamp your foot and admit that the house of Israel has done all these evil things and they are being punished for it. And then you will know who did this to you? Why um, the house of Israel has been punished? Ezekiel wouldn't even say these words to the mountains where no one would hear him speaking. You see, Ezekiel didn't accept these things and didn't want to believe them. So he wasn't going to let them come out of his mouth. This is the pride and arrogance that we see today among the brethren. I was talking to a few pastors I know about the truth regarding the satanic words found in the English. Um, connected to, you know, me on Facebook. And I asked them all a question. Is it acceptable to the Father if we use pagan deity words in English? One of them's response to me, of course, was the King James is inspired, so it has no error. Sad. One said, call me, let's talk. I can call him, let's talk, but no answer was given. See, they're going to try to justify it. So in other words, they didn't want to answer me. And the others didn't respond at all. The answer is yes or no. So the question is, is it acceptable to the Father if we use pagan deity words in English? <laughs> as, as words that we're doing and saying and teaching every day, talking about the Messiah. <laughs> Is it acceptable? Does the Father accept us to use these words? And so, of course, the answer is yes or no. And the answer should be right off, easily, absolutely, fast, immediately. No, it's not acceptable. But that doesn't happen, does it? Didn't happen with Ezekiel either. If the words are pagan, does the father accept them? So like Ezekiel, they didn't want to hear the truth or acknowledge the possibilities. There is nothing new under the sun. And yes, as we see here at the end of um, chapter 6, in uh, verse 12, at the end it says, And I shall complete my wrath upon them. And guess what, brethren? Yes, the Father will complete his wrath upon what the brethren have been doing to corrupt the truth. when the Messiah arrives and rejects most of you and puts you on the side with the goats. Oh yes, the wrath is the punishment. Spiritually rejected. Israel was physically killed. <laughs> but spiritually rejected. Not having access to the Messiah. That will be your punishment during the thousand years. And that completes our study today. The prophets found in 
the scriptures. You can find this on talkshow.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.